0: Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Jason, you can come on up. Uh, If you don't know Jason, um, Jason grew up in this church, grew up in this community, has family uh, in this church, and then um, was it 2013 uh, that he and his family uh, moved out to Utah to church plant um, in in that community there as well too, and so there's a lot of history and connection between our church and just with Jason and and Nicole and what they've been doing, and uh, for a while we were sending vision trips out and, and mission trips and um, so it's just been a, a neat kind of ongoing relationship, and so about a week and a half ago, I heard that Jason was going to be in town, and so, uh, you know, we just started texting each other, and you know, hey, if you're at all available, it'd be great to just hear what's going on in, in Utah and with Greenhouse, and uh, so, yeah, eventually kind of got this figured out. So I'm thrilled that, that Jason is uh, able to, to share with us this morning. So um, he may... I don't know if you're going to introduce yourself or your family more or not. I don't know. The the morning's yours. But I'm going to pray for Jason, and um, then the morning's his. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the awesome work that you are doing uh, through Jason and Nicole and their family in Salt Lake City, God, and what you have um, begun there. Uh, with, uh, with with Greenhouse, Lord, and I pray for Jason as he shares this morning just that you would guide every word that he speaks and shares with us. And, Lord, we pray for uh, Greenhouse Church, that it would grow and thrive and see many people come to know you, Lord, and many people um, repent and fall in love with you and that you would be glorified and that your church would continue to expand. Amen.
1: Thank you, Luke. Uh, it was kind of funny because he, he texted me and said, hey, rumor has it you're coming to Henderson. Would you want to speak? And I was kind of hoping I could fly under the radar because I'll be honest, I selfishly wanted to hear Luke. I I really, really just respect and looked up to his leadership in so many ways and I love whenever I've been able to hear him teach he's just incredibly gifted and so I was like I want to be selfish but uh but no so you guys are so intricate uh, so intricately intricately involved with the greenhouse um a lot of you know this story of where we started and and have been a part of that journey and so it's it's fun to be able to share but before we kick into that happy father's day Happy Father's Day, Dad. I inherited the crying gene from that guy. But. And happy Father's Day to the rest of you, too, right? Like, I love the fact that I grew up in this church. Because a lot of you are fathers that I looked up to and respected and continue to respect. And I really reiterate what Luke was saying, is that I had a lot, I had an incredible dad and I had a lot of friends with incredible dads, too, that I just really have benefited from over the years. And and so thank you so much. I really appreciate that. But um, So I am flying solo. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Carter and Colson have a college like recruiting football camp that they went to in southern Utah uh, this weekend. And uh, Ian is chaperoning them, which kind of, if you know, Ian kind of scares me having him there more than anything. <laughs> so... Uh, Ian uh, just finished up his sophomore year uh, at Tabor. Carter and Colson are going into their senior year in high school. And then uh, Tatum and Nicole were gonna come with me, but then all of a sudden uh, they had a high school basketball camp that Tatum needed to stay back for. And so Nicole uh, chaperone her. I get nervous when Nicole is chaperoning Tatum, so there you go. Can't trust those girls anywhere. So um, I realized I am still a rookie missionary, and I didn't put the family picture up there. So there you go. I saw we had that one back there, and that's, that's from just a couple years ago, uh, a couple years and a couple inches of my hairline ago. So, so there you go. But um, it is good to be here. Uh, this morning, uh, Pastor Luke asked if I could kind of just share what's going on with the greenhouse, and so I thought, hey, let's, let's use the series that we just wrapped up at the greenhouse to kind of tell the story of where we're at. So I hope it's an encouragement. I hope it's a challenge, uh, and whether you're a father, a mother, a kid, a grandparent, a great guy, whatever it is, I just pray that it's an encouragement and a challenge to you this morning. So we are all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Um, we've made the trek from Nebraska to Utah, Utah, Nebraska, countless times. And if you've ever, some of you have made that trip, and you know what I'm talking about. Literally, when you're coming from Utah, you have about 25, 30 miles till you get on Interstate 80. And then it says, proceed for the next five years of your life east. On I-80, and I tell people that it's go kind of like, well, you just take I-80. I said, yes, that's like 99.9% of what we do, and then you get off two miles, and then you're in Henderson. They're like, what? And I was like, yeah. And it's mind-numbing. It's 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 like it's beautiful the first like several dozen times, but after a while, it's kind of like I gotta stay awake. I am I, I love adventures. I love like mountains and history and all sorts of stuff. And so for years, I've been wanting to go a different route. And I'm like two-lane roads calling my name. Even better, let's go gravel, right? But I wasn't quite that adventurous. But but I uh, from Utah, I went or from Saratoga Springs, I took. Highway 40 through, like, like, Vernal, Utah, and then Craig, uh, Colorado, and terrible name for a town, um, and, and <laughs> I was like, who would name something Craig, you know, it's just weird, but, um, but through Craig, and then through, like, Steamboat Springs, Steamboat Springs is amazing. And then from there, I took this tiny little road all the way up to Laramie, right? And, and it's beautiful. It did not disappoint. I mean, you have cliffs and valleys and meadows and mountains and some snow and, and all this beautiful God's creation, right? And on I-80, you're just for 12 solid hours. And and it was it was so much fun just like you know looking through the sunroof and just you know open the I open up the windows for several hours, you know, just going through the mountains and I'm just loving life, right? And and everything is just beautiful. And then finally I get up to Laramie and I realize I just added two hours to a twelve hour drive. <laughs> and it's dark and now I have all the rest of, of Wyoming and Nebraska uh in the dark but i was like hey it was totally worth it right and i thought once i got on i-80 at at wyoming at laramie i thought okay now that now the adventure is done now the trip begins right but oh no god has a sense of humor i get through cheyenne and all of a sudden they literally closed down interstate 80 and and they there was a a wreck and for about 20 miles i had to go on this little highway off to the side and then finally we got back on and then good to go so here's here 's the thing, right? like you have trips and you have journeys. You have trips and you have journeys. A trip is all about the destination and the arrival. All you can think of is where you 're going. A journey is about discovery and adventure. A trip um, a detours on a trip are distractions, right like once I got to i eighty And I, I got, you know, about an hour down the road and all of a sudden there's a detour. I'm like, no, a detour. I just spent seven hours on one massive detour loving life. You see the difference in the mindset is that on the trip, don't take me off of my route, but on a journey, where are we going, God? Like what adventures, what opportunities am I going to encounter? Trips are like grocery store, doctor's office, right? Whereas journeys think Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. A little bit different. We're all on a journey. Specifically, we're all on a journey of faith. The problem is, is that a lot of us forget that our faith is supposed to be an adventurous journey. And we sometimes, unknowing, unwittingly, unthinkingly, turn it into a trip faith as a trip is something that we endure faith as a journey is something that we engage faith as a trip is something that we try to master right i'm making great time right like i want to get there as efficiently as quickly like don't use the bathroom don't even drink because you're gonna have to stop and use the bathroom right it's something that we endure whereas faith as a journey is something that we are mastered by we want to be consumed by that journey. Faith as a trip is like a noun, right? Or faith is something that we hold on to. And that's good, but faith as a as a journey is a verb. It's something that, that we live out, that would drives us, that gives us life. Yeah, we just spent seven hours going through the mountains, but man, it is what my soul needed. That's what faith as a journey looks like. Augustine said... God created us for a relationship with him and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. God designed us to yearn for him. And when we're not yearning for him, when we're trying to satisfy ourselves with other things, we wonder why nothing works. We still are frustrated. We're still aggravated. We still struggle with anger and all these other things because we haven't found our rest in him. We're designed to explore and discover God. And then once we find him, he says, now let's keep on going. And we continue to learn to know him in new ways. Well, this spring and this summer at the Greenhouse, we, we've gone through a series called The Journey. It's the stages or seasons of faith, and we looked at seven common stages. Um, this isn't straight from the Bible, but it's basically biblical principles. And it's, as I was reading, it comes from a book. Um, And I was reading that book. I'm like, wow, that helps me understand myself and my journey better. And I was a little bit nervous because I was like, it's usually we are bread and butter. We are chapter one, verse one. We work all the way through a book of the Bible as long as it takes. And it's so much fun and it's so good. But every now and then we'll do a topical one. And and I was a little bit nervous, but it's been so encouraging because a lot of people have, have understood their experiences so much more clearly. Now, here's the thing is that you can't really skip these stages. And also, it's not this linear process to where once you get to stage seven, oh like i have arrived i am ready for heaven now no we're like continually going through these stages at the same time but we have to kind of build through these things and so i hope that it's an encouragement and a challenge we're just going to dive in here and we're going to tell a little bit of a story of the greenhouse as we go stage one is awareness of god really complicated right it's saying, God, I see you, I recognize you, and I, and I want you or I need you. See, we, we're aware of God either through a sense of awe or a sense of need. Awe is kind of like, wow, God, you are so good. I, you are so loving. I want you in my life. Or it's a sense of need. My life is in a wreck. I don't know how to draw my next breath. I need you. But either way, we come through this awareness of God. We discover God. We start to see God. We accept the reality of God in our world and specifically in our lives. One of the fun things of being a missionary in a place like Utah is that um, anything under 2% of the population being uh, Christian is considered an unreached people group. In Saratoga Springs, I'm very curious what the next census is going to come, because there's been a dramatic shift as people have been moving in, people have been leaving the LDS faith, but 90% of the last census of our population identify as LDS or Mormon or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 0.8% are considered Christian, like evangelical Protestant Christian. Now, there's a lot of hubbub of, well, we're, we're Mormons, we're Christians too. But if you look at it, it is irrefutable that Mormons, Mormonism is very different. It is not the same as Christianity. And if you want to talk about it afterwards, I, I nerd out on this stuff. But, but if you look at where we're at, it is a very different faith. It's, it's not the same. And so what we have is you have 99% of the population that doesn't understand the good news of Jesus the way that we do. They don't read the Bible the same way that we do. They, they have a different faith. And so on a daily basis, we are helping people discover God of just trying to say, no, this is the God of the Bible. This is the God of Christianity. This is what faith is. And so it's been really fun. We have a lot of people who are coming from different situations. We have current LDS people, inactive LDS people, former LDS people. We have people who have left polygamy. We, where we live, there's a large polygamous population. If you go a little bit down the road from us, either direction, uh, there's, there's a lot of polygamist uh, families there. And we have a couple families that have come out um of of that of that religion of that group um uh and they're, and they're just they're just incredible people we have people that have have left jehovah's witness we have i mean it's it is we are a mixed bag of nuts <laughs> like it's it's awesome um it's it's kind of funny i was talking with luke and and when i'm looking at our church and right now we're in the 60s 70s 80s 90s we're right under about 100 sometimes and, and I'm looking across the room as I'm teaching, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, what do they think? Oh my goodness, what do they think? Oh my goodness, what do they think? Based on their experiences. And I have these conversations in my own head as I'm trying to teach. But it's, I mean, it's why we're there. It's so fun. Like, we have so many people that are understanding the good news of Jesus in an entire way. Drew and Allie, by the way, Drew and Allie say hi. My, Nicole says hi. Uh, Drew and Allie are doing awesome. A lot of you have met them before. Allie is, you know, great, uh, is grand-granddaughter of a couple of cool people here, so, um, and they have two amazing great-granddaughters uh, in Utah, but uh, Drew and Allie are just doing an amazing job. Drew just got back from uh, camp at Glorietta, and, and one of Tatum's best friends, um, ninth grader going into sophomore year in high school, uh, grew up in an in a inactive LDS family, but that's kind of their, where they're coming from, and it was so cool because during worship and teaching, she goes, I have never known God like I know him now. I didn't know that God loves me like this. And just like her world is just blowing up right now. And, and Tatum's super excited because like they're really, really close friends and she'd been praying for a while. What's really cool is a couple years ago, that girl's older brother did the same thing at Glorietta. And he's one of Carter and Coulson's best friends. So, like, that's just one example. And there's so many people that are there. You just keep on sowing those seeds and people will know God. Stage two. So we, God, you're there. Now I see you. I discover you. But now I want to learn to know you. It's called discipleship. And I use air quotes because discipleship is a lot of things. But it's basically this, I am being fed, I am learning, I am growing, I am seeing the reality of God in, our, in, in, in my life. This is, this is um, Philip popping into the Ethiopian's chariot, right? I don't understand this, this Bible, I don't understand it, can you explain it to me? Yeah, let me ride along with you. I'm going to let my, my journey be disrupted as an opportunity to share Jesus with you, right? This is... Um, this is Ananias taking this Saul guy who is trying to kill people like Ananias, opening up his home. How radical is that? Right? Like, talk about being open to the opportunities that God puts in our path. Saul, that murderous uh, religious leader who, I'm going to open up my home and I'm going to disciple him? Yeah, let's go, Jesus. Let's go. Right? And so that's what stage two is, is it's learning, it's growing. Um, Right now, we have Sunday morning worship gatherings. We have men's group. We have women's group. We have uh, a children's uh, ministry. We have youth ministry. Uh, and then there's a lot of, like, individual things going on, too, to where a lot of people are starting to, to dig into God's Word. And, and I'm realizing there's just a lot of people don't spend time in God's Word. They wonder why they don't know God. It's because they're not reading His love, his love letter, Right? They're not reading the Word of God. And so we're really trying to draw people into that. Um, One of the fun things that we do is is they're called Connect Groups. They're basically a small group. And and what we do is we always say we push content on Sunday morning, but then every other week on Connect Groups, then everybody gets to dig into it. And it's very discussion. We share a meal. It's it's around the table. And then we move over into our living room. We have one. Drew and Allie have one. We're we're really needing to multiply into more. Um, But it's just this incredible time of everybody dining on God's word together. And uh, it's really fun when you get a, a polygamist, a Jehovah's Witness, a, a LDS person, and then your next door neighbor who is, who, who like is super LDS, uh, they come too. And so interesting conversations, interesting situations. But it's like the reality of the gospel collides with the reality of our lives. And so we want to, to be discipled. We want to disciple. Stage three, okay, so I know God and I, or I, I, I see God. I know him. Now I want to do something with God. I want to join in with what he's doing. This, this stage is called productivity. I mean, there's better words for it. But basically, it's kind of like, I want to do something with this. I don't want it to sit on my hands. I don't want it to sit in the pew or, or just, you know, just receive, receive, receive. Like, I want to give. I want to be a part of Jesus's team, right? We always say there are no bench warmers on Jesus's team. You're all called in. And sometimes that can be terrifying, right? Um, sometimes we just want to, to warm the bench and get the jersey and call it good. But Jesus calls all of us into the game. And so that's the stage three first uh, Corinthians twelve Ephesians four and throughout the Bible, it talks about how we are entrusted with gifts gifts that he wants us to use with and for him and that's that 's that next stage right like i 'm willing to to risk i 'm willing to pour out what God has poured in and, and that's a that 's a big stage for us right because we, we basically want to step up, we want to serve, we want to give, we want to care, we want to be a part of this family that is on mission together. And it's really cool because we have, you know, for years we've been trying to like raise up leaders that want to make a difference. And, and it's cool because Allie, now it used to just be Allie leading worship, and now she has people coming out of the woodwork. Oh, I play guitar, I sing, I like to do this, I can do this. And our worship team is so good right now. And, and what's cool is that Allie has, has done a great job of establishing the heart of worship. And people respond to that. They resonate with that. And, and people want to be a part of that. And so the worship team is going, well, we actually have two women that stepped up and said, hey, can we help with the, can we help with the, the children's ministry? They're like, yes, here you go. <laughs> and they are crushing it. They are doing such a good job. It's, it's really, really fun. We have people that are doing women's ministry. And we have, I had a guy on Sunday say, hey, do we have a menis- men's ministry? And I said, well, we have a men's Bible study. He goes, but do we have, like, can we, can we do what the women are doing? And I was like, yeah, go for it. Get some guys. Let's go. And it's really fun to see people taking ownership. Guys, when you start to serve and you start to invest, it starts to mean more, right? like that's this church there's a lot of people that have stepped up and and it means something to you because you've invested what god has entrusted you with so so far so good right god you're there god i i I know you i love you and now i get to like serve you i get to work it's kind of manageable it's kind of it's not easy but it's easy to understand but here comes stage four it's called the wall it's called when life happens it's called when something happens that you don't know how to draw your next breath it's it's called a financial crisis a marital crisis a moral failure a a uh, a crisis of faith something someone did something to you that was so hurtful you did something that was so stupid you don't know how to take the next step like like my farm literally just got wiped out in one storm or back-to-back storms right like the wall is when we stare god face to face our will meets god's will the wall is unfortunately where a lot of people say this is too hard i can't go on if God was really good, I've been doing all this for him. I've been reading my Bible. I've been working for him. And then this stuff still happens. Well, God must not be good. Or if, he's not, if he is real, he's, he's, sorry, he must not be real. And if he is real, then he must not be that good. Because look at all the things that happen. Right? The wall is either something that pushes us away. And a lot of people will fall away. And, uh, and unfortunately, we've had people that have fallen away. It's hard because they're your friends, they're your neighbors, they're people that you've served with. And and then all of a sudden something happens and they get either bored or distracted or hurt or whatever. And they're kind of like, I'm out. I, I wish that I didn't have to say that, but we have people that have just walked away from God. And it hurts because we're a family. But the beauty of the wall is that when God pulls us through that, we are forever changed. It's when our will meets God's will face-to-face, and it's that moment of surrender when it's kind of like, well, this is the script I would have chosen, but okay, God, what script are you writing? Can I surrender to that? You see, God's grace is greater than. It's when we realize that our circumstances aren't what defines us, but God defines how we're going to embrace our circumstances. That's a hard, hard thing. Life happens, right? I, I, look, I look across this church family and I, I, I see amazing human beings that love God and who God loves. But, but, but I also see like, people that, that have been hurt or are hurting. It can be hard some of you know our situation right like we went out to utah the first time for a youth ministry position we say that we went for the position but we fell in love with the people in the place and the situation the the position was not a good fit and it was three very hurtful years it was hard guys when nicole and i moved back here in 2009 i was dark i was angry i was mean on the inside. I kind of reverted back to the teenage Jason that wasn't very nice. (laughs) But you guys embraced us. You guys loved us. And you represented Christ to us. That is what it takes to pull us through those walls in our life. And you guys were that for us. I'll never forget... Within a couple months of moving back, I was being introduced around town as Nicole Queering's husband. This is my town? I graduated from here. She just came with me. She's my plus one, right? But I became her plus one. And I was cool with that. Because you loved us. You embraced us. You cared for us. I remember John would, would say, hey, you're taking seminary. Why don't, what, what are you reading? What are you thinking? And I was like, John, I'm a mess. I know nothing right now. But you guys believed in us. And then four years later, you said, okay, now it's time for you to leave, right? <laughs> but no, you guys took a chance with us. You guys said, we're going to send you back to Utah because we know that's where your heart is. And we're going to send you with our prayers and our encouragement and our finances and, and our support. Guys, that's craziness. But that's what it takes to help each other through the walls. Because the wall is either where we are going to fall away or we will go all in. The problem with Christian culture in America today is that we preach against the wall. We teach that if things aren't going right, if you're not living your best life, if your life doesn't line up with some Instagram post on a coffee mug, well, then something must be wrong. Well, guess what? Life happens. Are we going to be calm in the middle of the storm? Because that's when our will meets the will of God. The wall, it is one of the most painful things. That we'll experience. But pain means growth. We have a lot of people that are hurting. We have people, we have numerous families that are going through marital issues. And, and we're, we're walking with them, we're counseling with them. We have so many people that are coming out of, of, of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or, or what or or polygamy or things like that and there's a lot of hurt that they carry with them and so we're constantly trying to learn how to how to gain that trust to where i know that religion and bible and and faith represents a lot of hurt for you but let's push into that let's lean into that don't run away let's just stay here and talk let's process and it's amazing at how God is really working through the wall with some people right now. There's a lot of different things, but, but what's amazing is that there are people that are saying, I trust you, Jesus. I'm all in. Well, then that takes us into stage five, which, which is kind of interesting because all of a sudden now, like when we moved here back to Nebraska, it was the first time in my adult life that I wasn't known as Pastor Jason. I wasn't paid by a church. I didn't have my identity, my value, my worth wrapped up by a church. And I was just Jason, Alden, Lonnie, and Craig's hired man. It was awesome. It was funny because, like, my identity that I had kind of forged over the years was just out the window, miles down the highway, right? But it's when God could really work at the heart level because I wasn't performing I wasn't trying to produce I wasn't trying to just master my faith I was being mastered by it And what's really cool is that here as we as we are become more aware of ourselves and when is actually when we rediscover God Now that could sound really really weird right just need to get in touch with ourselves. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we see who we really are, and then all of a sudden we look at God looking at us with this love in his eyes, I understand not just about myself, but that he still loves me. And that says a lot more about him than it does about me. We all of a sudden start to realize that we are cracked pots with the light of Christ shining out of us. He loves us enough to invest into us and to pour into us. Guys, that is the good news. It's not about me trying to be good. It's about God loving me, even especially when I'm not. So we are aware of ourselves and in the process we realize just how good God is. Psalm 139 is huge. Search me and know me, O God. Find any offensive way in me lead me in the way of everlasting life. That's the prayer of stage five. Search me and know me and then take me wherever you want me to go. That's owning Proverbs 27 6 that says wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. And stage five is when when we say I'm just going to be vulnerable. I'm going to lay myself bare and you just tell me what you see. It's it's instead of defending and and rationalizing and justifying, it's kind of saying, okay, when I said this, it hurt you. Help me understand that. It's it's an openness, it's a vulnerability, it's a humility. Now in Utah, ninety percent, well, where we're at is probably down more closer in the eighties now, but it's Mormonism is a very appearance driven religion and culture. If you've ever been out to to utah it's very it's very image driven and so there's a lot of stuff that happens because of how it looks and so it's kind of hard in that culture to get to stage five because um <laughs> one of my favorite videos said it, it was a it was a it was a funny video advertisement for for this church small group that was the openly shallow small group right and it says at our openly shallow uh, small group, you'll never hear words like, let's unpack that, because we're pretty sure it's packed away for a good reason, (laughs) right? Like, it's, it's, you're safe here, because we won't ask you. It's all sports and weather, right? But if we don't get to the deep stuff, how are we ever going to learn to grow? How are we ever going to move beyond the things that we're struggling with right now? And so, it's, it's been fun to, (laughs) fun, uh, to gain that trust, to be consistent. We've been there for nine years. And we have people that are finally opening up. We have people that are finally being vulnerable. And and we try to practice vulnerability. Like, I don't hide who I am. I don't hide the struggles that I've had or that I have. Like, we try to be very genuine and very real. And at first, people are kind of like, did you just say that? (laughs) Can you say that? I was like, well, I just did, so let's deal with it reality of the gospel collides with the reality of our lives stage six then we have in stage five we realize that god's grace is at the core of who we are and if god's grace is at the core nothing else matters and stage six now is awareness of others if god loves us then he must love you if he loves me, then he must love you. And now I start to see you like God sees you. He, he loves you. He sacrificed for you. He, he gives given everything for you. One of the problems in a place like uh, in, in, in Utah, where it's such a small percentage of Christians, is that you have a lot of Christians that will church hop from church to church to church because they're looking for the safe haven for Christians. And I'm like, well, you live in a mission field. So either you're a missionary or you can go find another church. Like, not to sound ruthless, but God loves the neighbors that you despise. And we're constantly wrestling with people of saying, turn your hearts to the mission field that God has put you in. Maybe you moved from California. Maybe you moved from Montana. Maybe you moved from wherever, and you didn't know what you were getting into. But guess what? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're going to be about the things of the Father. Guess what the Father's doing? He cares about, it. you know the old thing, he leaves the 99 for the one where we live, he leaves the one for the 99. But the one is usually, but what about me? Take care of me, what about my needs? It's kind of like, okay, let's go, but well, let's deal with this, but remember, you're on a mission field. You're one of 99, and those 99 are dying for Jesus right now. They're, they're dying to know about Jesus. So that's kind of where we're at, right? And, and it's been fun to see people really embrace that vision, that culture. It's, it's not easy. It's selfless. It's looking at the culture that's around us and saying, well, that's not ideal. I don't understand that. That's hurtful. And when my neighbors like won't let their kids play with my kids because we're not of their faith or, or because my kid isn't getting the playing time because that coach is Mormon and only lets the Mormon kids and, and blah, 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 all the things that are going on in our culture. Okay, are you being shot at? Are you being... Beheaded in town squares because you're not part of the, the the dominant religion, like guys, it can get much worse. You get what I'm saying? Like, are we loving to those people instead of us versus them? And I think that's one of the things that I see our country moving towards is this us versus them. And what we need to have is more of a loving attitude, not a anything goes kind of love, because love is not anything goes. If I when I when in our studio, we, we rent out a dance studio and we're in the second level. And it's so funny because when I'm teaching, everybody's out here and I see out these windows and there's there's highway Redwood um, Redwood Road. It's a major highway that's going out. And as I'm talking with them, I always have this vision of if my kids, if the kids from our church would go run out into the Redwood Road, I want to go play in the highway. What's the most loving thing to do? OK, you do you. You have fun. Just, you know, have fun, have fun. That's not loving. The most loving thing would just be literally to break out the window, hop down, and just go rip them off the street, right? So when I say loving others, I'm not saying anything goes, right? I'm saying genuinely love. Like this morning we talked about how like Christ loved the church, who would be willing to give my life for them. 1 John 4, 9 through 12 this is what love is, that he gave his life for us. And then guess what? He follows it with the second punch of, and now go love each other in the same way. And that leads us to the last stage, is living a life of love. In this stage, things are radically simplified. Instead of worrying about defending my rights, instead of worrying about every little nuance of theology and doctrine, instead of worrying about everything, that it was like, no, we have to da-da-da-da. There's this list. There's this list. Instead of becoming Pharisees, we become followers. And it's, again, it's not anything goes, but it's, it's majoring. It's, 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 too often we major in the minors and minor in the majors. Have you guys ever heard that before? But it's keeping the main thing, the main thing. And it's kind of saying, no, you are what matters. I'm not going to sacrifice you just so I can prove a point. It's living a life of love. That is when we start to realize that we are here to reflect God's love. In a real, genuine, powerful, transformational love. Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? He loved the sinners, he loved the prostitutes, he loved the drunks, he loved the tax collectors, the traitors, the never haves, the, the will never be's. Right, he loved them, but then what did he say? Go and sin no more, you've met me now, go and sin no more. He has this amazing relationship to where he can get close to them, change them, and then release them again. Things are radically simplified, that's why we have love God, love people that's the great commandment, and then serve the world, the great commission. Everything that we do is filtered through that, that motto that, that um, uh, what we believe is what God calls us to be and to do. It's like the hymn, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we are focused on Jesus, everything else fades out. And we are fixated on him and what he is doing. And we want to be where he's at doing what he's doing. Now, here's the thing. I would love to say we have a lot of people that are just living lives of love. I wish I could say I'm living a life of love. I'll be honest, last week when we were finishing up this series, I was kind of, you know, talking about what it means to live a life of love, and I was talking about some things that I kind of knew were going on in some people's lives, and, and I was kind of making some strong points, and, and I was being pretty bold with it and everything like that, and then we always go eat lunch with a group of people after church, and I was in the car, and I was kind of reflecting, and I was kind of like, my heart wasn't very loving as I was talking about being loving. <sighs> Dang it. <laughs> like, Why? So I say that in humility of saying, I get it. It's hard. I know the, the justification, the rationalization that I have. But it's where God calls us to grow. And we're, we're being honest about it. We're saying, God, search me, know me. Let me live a life of love. Help me to have this orientation of love to the people, even when they're mean, even when they're dismissive, even when they're rude, even when they're this. Love them like Christ loved the church that's where we want to grow to that's where we want to help people uh, learn and understand that's where I want to be so that's kind of the culture that we have what we're doing where are you at where are you at in your journey have you met God yet have you, have you said, said either, God, you're so amazing or, God, my life is so rough, but either way, I, I, I need you. I want you. Are we, are we growing? Are we learning? Are we discovering God? Are we, are we growing in that relationship? Or are we submersing ourselves into his word? And are we being discipled? Are we content to sit on the bench and just wear the jersey and call it good? Or are we saying, no, God's entrusted me with gifts, and I want to use them no matter how young or how old we are no matter how much or how little we have, are we willing to take what we have and do something in joining in with what God is doing? Are we, are we uh, in, when, when life happens, do we run away from the walls that come into our path? Or do we follow Jesus' command to stay calm in the storm and to trust him and to surrender our will to his will? Are we taking the risk of letting down our guard, putting our axes, putting our swords, putting our shields down, and listening to each other, and understanding each other? Are we we vulnerable with the struggles that we have, or are we just performing? Do we give others the same freedom to do that? Do we create an inviting place that people can be honest about their struggles, if we went into a hospital and said, uh, my my stomach is really hurting, well, why is your stomach hurting? That's stupid. That's not a very good hospital, right? We need to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's get in here, and let's figure out what's going on, and then we'll do whatever we can to help, because we love you. And then are we living a life of love? Are we, are we, when we want to justify or rationalize behaviors and attitudes that are dramatically short of God's standard, are we, are we defending those? Or are we saying, why did I get so angry? Why did I get so defensive? Why did I get so self-centered in that situation? I need help. God, fill my heart with your love for the ones that you love. So that's, that's the challenge. That's the invitation, Right. One last thing before uh, we wrap up is—is is Luke uh, asked me to share uh, something about our sports ministry and the gym. Is—is is, so a lot of you have have known that, um, like I coach—I've coached basketball, I've coached football, I coach football at our high school right now, uh, going into my third year of of coaching, and and it's incredible. Like I love the opportunity. Um, I hear some of the the hooligans that you're allowing to to coach in our high school. I'm not pointing any names, but, but Blake, um, um, so no, I was so excited when I heard like, like Blake and Taylor and and some of those guys are coaching. And I was kind of like, yes, you have, that is one of the most unique opportunities that you have to pour into the lives of the community is when you coach. You coach, you teach, you whether it be drama or sports or band or whatever. Like you really get to invest in the community, and, and you're entrusted with a lot of influence. And and so we've engaged that. Like I coach, Drew is coached. We have people that are doing things in the community. We're we're going into I think our seventh, sixth year, fifth year of Game Changers. It's a character-based sports camp that we do in partnership with our uh, city rec department. And it's incredible. We already have probably over 80 kids signed up from our community. And we have a group of people that come from, uh, we've had some people come from Nebraska, a bunch of people come from Hillsboro, and come out. And we, we put on a sports camp. And it's, it's so much fun to have these people from the community come in and learn how to change the game by implementing these biblical character traits, right? because we're doing it in partnership with the city and we were just honest with them we said we're a church we're going to do things that are biblically based but we promise not to to like be like crazy with it and they were like no this sounds awesome let's go and so from that has come a vision of saying okay like we're not going to have this dance studio forever we're we're getting close to outgrowing it already Um, what should we do and from uh, years of of discernment and process we're like let's build a gem Instead of building a church that has a gym in it, let's build a gym that a church meets in. Because here's a couple things. One, it serves the community. I love the concept of, I think, what made towns like Henderson and Hampton and Sutton and, you know, Bradshaw or, or or towns in God's country. <laughs> what makes them so special? The churches and the high school gyms. Think about it. When else is everybody together cheering together for a shared something? I, I look back to like Sunday afternoons, and I got to go play with with the old guys, right? And and as a little kid, I would go play with them, and and it's it's a place of gathering and influence and connection. And so, what if you put those two together? And so we've been looking. Uh, we've been we've been we have uh, actual. Uh, a a guy who's a builder who's a christian he works for Layton construction he's one of the biggest construction companies in the intermountain west and he's a believer and he has a heart for building uh, churches and so when we met with him and said hey this is our vision this is why we're doing it i kind of outlined why we want to do it this way um, he was all about it and so we have the builder uh, now we need to find the land and uh, we have a couple slides up here. If you can kind of see those, and I'll try to do this quick. But that is Saratoga Springs, right there in the yellow. We have Utah Lake. Uh, Saratoga Springs is pretty interesting. It's kind of landlocked. It's long and skinny like that. Um, but um, the the top red uh, arrow is the the studio that where we meet now. We've met there for several years. Uh, we're way on the north end, and then um, that bottom arrow is is the land that last year we zeroed in on through some kind of some god moments and things like that of saying hey here's a guy who owns um, uh, about 20 acres and we need about four acres for this building and so if he's ever going to sell it four acres is about the taxable value that he could just donate and so we're like let's just go ask him Right? And so we met with him, and he's a great guy. He's an old rancher, just a really good dude. And, and he was really excited uh, what we were doing. Um, and so we talked with him about the vision and stuff, and his name is Clyde. And I was kind of like, how awesome would it be to have Clyde's court written on that court? And he goes, huh. Oh. You know, and I'm like, like, you know, and so we're working it right. And, and it looked like we were going to have some good inroads. And then it kind of came out that there was some kind of some issues going on within the family uh, to work with his kids that that he's not ready to let go of that ground yet. Um, and so you can go to the next slide. Um, actually, let's go to the third one there. You can kind of see what's really cool is that the ground is the one in the red right there. What's right across it is Westlake High School. It's one of the biggest high schools in the state of Utah. It's a 6A high school, um, about 3,000 kids in grade, actually about 3,500 kids in grades 10, 11, 12, not even ninth grade. And then Vista Heights Middle School is is one of our two middle schools right next to it. And so uh, it's really cool because if you have a gym right across from a high school, you can do lunch stuff, you can do after school stuff, you can um, do all sorts of different things with that. And, uh, and so what's really cool is, (laughs) I'll try to make this quick because I know time is, is, is getting, but, but one of the ladies that's working with us in this, in this gym uh, building campaign, uh, her husband, they're really into horses, and uh, the, the grandson of that landowner is their farrier, does their horseshoeing, and so he's like, you need to talk to my grandpa, you need to talk to my grandpa, and so What's interesting is it seemed like a closed door, but we're not giving up on that yet. So I'd invite you to pray with us um, because I just still really feel like, like this, if this happens, it's 110% glory to God, right? So pray with us. I just keep on having these, like Elijah saying, throw more water on the altar, throw more water on the altar, throw more water on the altar. And then what does he do? At the, when the time is right, God is glorified, Right. Or or how are you crazy Israelites going to take down Jericho? A marching band? What, do you have Roy Schweitzer as your instructor? Come on. Like, I know he's good, but can he take down? Well, when God's the instructor, yeah, a marching band can take down an for- impenetrable fortress, right? And so God does the impossible. And so that's what we're praying right here. What's really ironic is if you see uh, those bottom two uh, yellow arrows, um, those are LDS seminaries. And so on every high school and middle school in the state, the Mormon church has its own little mini school that kids come to for religious uh, education hour. And so um, it's always, as a youth pastor, I would get into discussions with schools that sort of like, they wouldn't let me onto campus because I was a religious figure. I'm like, you have missionaries walking through your hallways. You have a Mormon church in your parking lot. Like, that's not on school grounds. I was like, it's in your parking lot, you know? But that's just part of the nuances of 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 ministry in, in Utah. So what's really cool is that if we would be on the other side, then then Drew could do all sorts of fun stuff, you know, uh over over lunch or after school, before school, or whatever. So um the top yellow arrow is Neptune Park. That is where we do game changers, the sports camp. And so it's it's really close right by there, just a little bit of reference. Um let's go back to the second one. So um the other three yellow arrows are some potential ground that we're, we're looking into. Um, so you can pray about those too, but, but that's the biggest thing. So again, we want to serve the community. If, if we can build this and, and rent it to teams, gym space is at a premium. When I was coaching, we would pay uh, $50 to $75 an hour just to have our teams practice in gyms. And so we're kind of like, hey, if we charge 50 bucks an hour for teams to rent it out, like like that would really help with with our expenses as a church, paying this off. And it's an ongoing thing. Um, so that's a big thing. And then, and then it would give us a really good space to continue to grow. Um, we've had to rent our elementary school gym for, for various events just because of space. And it's kind of like, man, we could have a lot of fun in a gym. So, so continue to pray for that. Um, we haven't launched our official... A giving campaign for that, but what 's crazy is even before launching an official giving campaign, we have over eighty thousand dollars that 's already been donated without even trying so far. like we are so humbled by what god has has been doing he 's been stirring in people 's lives and it 's just incredible to see uh, people really getting on board with that so continue to pray for that, continue to kind of look for hey you know, if we can, if we can partner with that, um, we want to raise as much money as possible so we don't burden the church to, you know, a church our size to try to figure out how to pay for all that, but we want to be, we want to be smart with it. So just continue to, to lift this up and win. So um, land, leadership, finances, all the usual prayer requests on that. So, um but yeah, so. Hopefully that answers some questions and kind of gives a light of where we're wanting to go. And, and uh, with that, just invite you to continue to, to partner with us and pray for us. And we are very, very appreciative of everything that you, you all do for us. So um, I'm going to pray and then all right, one, more, one more song. Yeah. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you for calling us into life with you that you don't just leave us on our own, that you don't say, okay, here's a list of do's and don'ts, good luck. God, you don't look to us and say, you better measure up, you better make yourself worthy. Instead, God, you you draw us to yourself. You love us, you transform us, you heal us, and then you call us and release us. God, thank you for each one here those who are watching or listening now or, or later. God, I pray that your spirit would just work in our hearts. God, that we would be able to see where we're at and have we been, have we been satisfied? Have we been lazy at, at a stage where we haven't experienced more of you? We've been content just to kind of do our own thing because it's manageable and, and we think we have you fit into a box. But God, call us to surrender. You, you have called us. Just help us surrender. God, we want to see this church, this community, this region um, continue to be transformed for you.
0: God. So we just surrender that to you. Praise Jesus you, your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.